Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Grace Community Church Wednesday night service. Uh, sorry we're getting late. If you're tuning in online, uh, we've started having our business meetings on Wednesday night, so that's why we're getting started late. But I'm glad you're here. It's good to see y'all. And if you're tuning in online, we're glad you're watching. Welcome. We're glad to have you. Uh, but let me go ahead and pray for us, and we'll get right into tonight's message. Father, I just thank you for the message that you laid on my heart this week. And Lord, I just pray for everybody that's here, everybody that's watching online. I pray that you'd open our hearts and minds, God, to receive what it is you're saying to us. And I pray that you'd help us to take these things, Lord, and remember them. And I pray that you'd help us not only hear them, but think about them, Lord. And uh, do like your word says and meditate on them and uh, apply them to our lives, God, so that we can... We can be the people you want us to be and do the things you ask us to do. Father, I just pray that you'd uh, help me to preach tonight what you've laid on my heart. I pray that everything that comes out is your word, not mine. My own opinion, Father, but only your truth. And it's in Jesus Christ's holy name that I do pray. Amen. All right. Well, uh, like I said, sorry we're getting started late, but business meetings are a necessary thing. But last week, if you were here, we talked about our relationship with Christ, uh, you know, what it means to be a follower of Christ. And we talked about how we can just go through the motions and uh, go to church, <coughs> attend groups, or go to classes, and all those things, you know, are great. But if I haven't made Jesus Lord over my heart and, uh, and Lord of my will, then I'm just going through the motions. You know, we talked about this last week. If I'm doing that, then I just want to appear godly, but inside I'm still the same. Uh, and actually, if I'm doing that, now I feel even worse because I know what is really inside of myself. And going through the motions is going to make me feel bad. You know, it's going to convict me because I know in my heart that there hasn't been any real change. I just want people to think that there has been. And uh, that's what I kind of want to talk about tonight. The title of tonight's message is Sick Enough to Get Better. And you'll know what I'm talking about here in a few minutes. But Sick Enough to Get Better. The problem that so many people have, uh, number one, if you're taking notes, the first problem they have is they won't admit that they're sick. You know, before being born again, before giving our lives to Jesus and truly surrendering him and being brought to life spiritually, we're all sick. You know, we're born sick. We're born spiritually dead. But our minds and our souls are alive, but they're sick. Uh, they're not the way God designed them to be. And uh, our beliefs are sick. You know, everything about us before we surrender our life to Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit is sick. It's like I said, it's under the curse. It's not how God intended us to be. We're all born sick with a sin nature. And the only antidote for that is the Holy Spirit. You know, that can bring us to life spiritually. I share those verses with you all the time out of Ephesians chapter 2. But we have to admit that we're sick first before we can get better. And uh, the second problem that many people face is that they don't agree with God about all the sicknesses. You know, 
somebody might say, oh, I want to start living a godly life, so I'm going to give you this, this, and this, but I don't see anything wrong with these things over here, so I'm going to keep them and uh, be godly at the same time. You know, we try to mix the two. We try to pick what we can give up and what we won't give up, and we can't do that. Uh, skip the page we want to be godly at the same time and that that is the group that wants the title of Christian but they still want to set their own rules they still want to be in charge so those are the two groups that we're going to be talking about tonight or if you take a note two points you know the first group is those who won't admit they're sick and the second one is those who don't agree with God and I understand both of those groups. I really do. I have been in both of them. And uh, it's easy without Jesus to, to have that kind of a mindset. It makes sense to you. It makes perfect sense to you. But uh, group one, those that won't admit they're sick. You know, you may hear that and think I'm talking about rebellion against God. And that's, you know, that's not what I'm talking about at all. It's not somebody saying you know, I'm not sick, you're wrong, you don't know what you're talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, you know, somebody coming to church or coming to God that genuinely wants to give their life to the Lord, but they won't be honest about themselves because they're afraid God won't accept them if he knows everything about them. And the reason that people think that way, the reason I used to think that way, is because people won't accept them the way they are. People want you to get it right first, straighten up first, become acceptable first, and God don't do that. That's not the way God sees us. You know, they don't believe that God will take them just as they are. And I think a lot of that is due to the way the gospel is presented. You know, we present it backwards a lot. Uh, and it's taken the wrong way by a lot of people. I think if we presented a gospel like this, more people would come to quiet come to Christ uh, if we present it like this the requirement for coming to Christ is you must have a sin problem you must have things in your life that you can't control you have to have an anxious mind with no peace you must have a feeling of hopelessness unworthiness bad relationships anger problems resentment <coughs> resentment problems forgiveness problems shame problems you got to have all these things wrong with you and uh, if we said that and told people these are the things that qualify you to come to Jesus then I think a lot more people would feel qualified to come to Jesus and I think a lot more people would raise their hands and I think a lot more people would come to Jesus but people get it backwards they think they got to come and present themselves as holy before God to be accepted but that's not the truth, the qualification for coming before God is I'm broken, I'm sick, and I need your help. I need to be healed. In Luke chapter 5, verses 31 and 32, and this is Jesus talking, and he's talking to the Pharisees and the scribes. He said unto them, they that are whole don't need a physician, but they that are sick. I come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance you know we have to qualify if we want to surrender our life to Jesus and qualification is is admitting to God I am a sinner but if we won't admit that then God can't help us 
because we're declaring ourselves righteous without him. Jesus just said, I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. But the Bible says that nobody is righteous without God. In Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, it says, as it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none that understands. There is none that seeks after God. They are all gone out of the way, and they are together become unprofitable. There is none that does good. No, not one. The Bible also says that all of our righteousness is like filthy rags. It's all through the Bible. We can't attain righteousness on our own. But a lot of people try to get self-righteous and put themselves on the same plane as God. We can't do that. You know, we have to admit that we're not righteous. We are sinners, and we need God. We need a Savior. Uh, in Luke chapter 19, in verse 10, Jesus said, he's talking about himself. He says, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. You know, if Jesus came back today, you know, picture this in your head. If Jesus came back today, right now, to take us home, and he said, who wants to go with me? I'm here to rescue the lost. All the lost people, raise your hands, and I'll come and get you. You know, would you admit you're a sinner and that you're lost and raise your hand so you could go with Jesus? <clears throat> I believe I would raise both of my hands because I want to go with Jesus. I know I need him. You know, I need the Savior. I need the healer. I need the physician so I don't have any problem admitting to God or to anybody else that without him, I am hopelessly sick. You know, I can't do anything for myself. Uh, it's all through the Bible. You don't come to God just to hang out with him because you're just as righteous as he is. You know, I'm righteous, God's righteous, and we're just going to hang out with God. We do have fellowship with God through Jesus Christ, and God will make us holy through Jesus Christ. But we don't have any righteousness of our own. So we can't come to God and proclaim ourselves righteous. We have to come to God and proclaim our need for him. Uh, we have to come to God admitting our need for him and admitting who he is and admitting who we are. You know, he is the creator. We are the creation. We are not self-made beings. We are creations of God. And I think sometimes we forget that. And because sin entered the world in the Garden of Eden, we have to come to God and bring our sin nature to him and admit that we have it. And he'll trade it for his divine nature. But if we won't admit that we have it, then God can't do anything with it. We need his divine nature. We need the Holy Spirit. You know, it's not just in the Bible. You know, that's you can just look at the world and see that. You can't go down to the Thompson Cancer Survivor Center in Knoxville, and I've been there. You can't just go down there and tell them, I want some radiation and chemo just because you want it. You know, they're not going to give it to you. They're not going to do it. They'll test you and see if you have it. Uh, and then they'll come up with a plan to treat you. But you got to admit that you have it first. got to admit, I've got cancer, I need help. And they'll come up with a plan and they will help you. Uh, but just like our sin problem, if you just say, I don't have cancer, then you're just fooling yourself and it will cost you your life. 
And it's exactly the same with our salvation, except God already has a plan for that. God, he already knows that you're sick. And you, all you got to do is come to God and admit, I'm sick, Lord, and I need to be healed. And when we do that, God's plan that he has for us is activated in our lives. First uh, John 1 and verse 8 you know, we quote verse 9 all the time. You know, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of our unrighteousness. But verse 8 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Uh, can you pull up verse 10, Travis? Verse 10 says, if we say we have no sin, we're calling God a liar, and his word is not in us. Every one of us know we are born with a sin nature, and we when we say that we are not sinners, we are deceiving ourselves, and we are calling God a liar. And just like not admitting that we have cancer and getting treatment for it will cost us our lives, so will not admitting that we're sinners, and we need to be saved by grace. You've got to see it like that. It will cost you your life. And I don't know why we are so ashamed and fearful of admitting to God when we sin. You know, that's what God tells us to do. That's what God begs us to do. In Proverbs 28, verse 13, we share this verse a lot too. It says, He that covers his sins shall not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. It's the enemy. He's the one that's in your ear telling you God's going to reject you if he finds out about that. You know, God already knows about it. You know, who in here actually thinks that you can hide anything from God? Nobody. Everybody knows you cannot hide anything from God. So why do we have such a hard time bringing our mistakes to him? You know, if we stumble, we try to hide it. Take it straight to him. You know, if you feel ashamed about anything, I can guarantee you that feeling did not come from God. If you're going the wrong direction, God will convict you of sin, but not to shame you. You know, he convicts, us, he convicts us of sin in our lives so we can take it to the doctor's office, take it to him, you know, and get rid of it. Nowhere in Scripture do you ever see God or Jesus tell anybody, I am so ashamed of you. I can't believe you did that. I don't want nothing else to do with you. You won't find that in Scripture because God never says that. You know, the enemy tries to shame us, and we get ashamed of ourselves. But God is never ashamed of us. You know, with God, it's always, I'll accept you, I'll accept you, I'll accept you, I'll forgive you, I'll forgive you, I'll forgive you. That's the only thing you'll ever hear from God. And the only thing you'll ever be judged for are things that you have not confessed. You know, if you've confessed, you have been forgiven. And there's nothing to judge. You don't have to fear judgment anymore. The reason we fear judgment so much is because we've got things that we've never brought to God, that we've never confessed, that we've never repented from. And uh, that creates fear in our hearts because our soul knows you still have some things that you haven't brought to God and you will receive judgment for that. But everything you bring to God and confess it you're forgiven right then, and you don't have to fear judgment anymore. Uh, I love the story of the prodigal son. You know, he told his dad he wants his inheritance, so he gave it to him, and he left home, went into a far country, 
and wasted every bit of it, every bit of it on women and partying and riotous living and just all kinds of different things until he was broke. And uh, when he had no other options, he came back in, the, in Luke 15, verses 21 through 24. When he got back, he told his father, he says, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no more worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this is my son who was dead and is alive again and he was lost and is found and they began (coughs) to be merry. That don't sound like judgment to me. That sounds like God is just tickled to death when somebody makes a mistake and comes back to him and asks him for forgiveness. He threw a party for him. So he came home, he confessed, the Father forgave him, and they rejoiced. There was no punishment, no penance, didn't put him on a timeout, sit him on the bench for a while. You don't get any punishment for obeying God. God is the one that tells us to come to him and confess our sins. He is the one who tells us to bring those things to him so we can be forgiven, so we can be healed, so we can be cleansed, so that we can be the followers of Christ and the servants of God that we're supposed to be. I believe that's why there isn't any more people than there are actively serving the Lord. I think it's because they've either got sin in their lives currently or they haven't confessed some things and they're still trying to hide them. They're afraid of being exposed, afraid of being found out, and they don't believe God or anybody else would ever forgive them. But that's what God commands us to do when we mess up, when we do sin. He commands us to bring it to him so he can forgive us. But he can't He can't forgive you until you confess it, until you admit that you're sick. And if you're afraid of what other people think, then you probably, good chance you will never serve the Lord because you're too worried about people finding your flaws. You know, we can't let the fear of man keep us from confessing. We've got to trust God. You know, man is not going to judge us. God is going to judge us. That's what it says in Proverbs 29, verses 25 and 26. It says, the fear of man brings a snare. You know, that's going to keep you from doing a lot of things that God is calling you to do if you're afraid of what people are going to think about you. But whoever puts his trust in the Lord shall be safe. In verse 26, it says, Many seek the ruler's favor. They're talking about a man that's a ruler. But every man's judgment comes from the Lord. We might be seeking favor from men, trying to get men to like us, trying to please men. But we're not going to stand before men when it comes time for us to be judged. We are going to be standing before the Lord, so we should live our lives <coughs> to please Him, not them. You know, you'll never be confident in the Lord, and you will never be bold in your faith until you get all that stuff out from under the rug, get everything out of your closet, and get completely clean. That's all the... all. The weapons the enemy has towards you are your secrets. You know, it don't matter what you've done. I say it at the end of every message. It does not matter what you've done in the past. 
It don't matter what it is. You can bring it to God, and he will forgive you for it. But as long as you're hiding things, as long as you're keeping those a secret and afraid of people finding out, then you're probably not going to go any further in your walk with God. You know, I, I see people all the time getting counseling after counseling, going to class after class, and going through program after program, and they, they're waiting for everything to clear up and get better so they can move on. And they'll talk about anything you want to talk about all day long but the problem that's holding them back. You know, I tell people all the time that people only tell you what they want you to know. And uh, if you're stuck and that's where you're at, you're probably not talking about the one thing that's holding you back. You know, and it's not going to go away. And like I said, you're not going to go any further in your walk with God until you deal with it, whatever it is for you. You know, i got to deal with it's all the time in my life. Uh, but I don't pile them up. I don't put them under the rug. I don't stick them in a closet. I deal with them. You know, the Bible says that godly stumbles seven times, but he gets back up. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to, uh, you know, just call it what it is. We're all going to sin. But we don't need to hide them. We need to bring them to God. If you don't confess those things, they just dam up and they stop the flow of God in your life. You know, we just read the verse where it says, he who covers his sins shall not prosper. Confess those things, get cleansed from them, and then you can move on. And uh, like I said, i got to do that all the time. Almost every week at Celebrate Restoration, I'm, during small group, I'll confess something. You know, this is what I've been thinking this week or doing this week that's wrong. And I take it to God and I share it with others so I can get it off my chest. I confess it so I can be forgiven for it, learn from it, and go a different direction from there. You know, if we learn from it, we can do something different next time. But if we never bring it to the light, we're never going to learn anything from it. Uh, and if you're going to serve God in any way, the best thing you can do for other people is to be open and honest and share your failures. You know, people need to see that. I need to see that in other people. You know, we're not perfect. Proverbs 27, 17 says, Iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. You know, I can't help you or you can't help me if there's never an issue to deal with. You know, the whole idea of iron sharpening iron is it grinding together. You know, we'll have to go through problems to learn things. You know, if you're going through a problem, maybe I can help do help you through yours if I'm going through a problem you can help me through mine and we learn from each other but we're going to have issues don't hide those you'll never hear you'll never heal from something that you ignore or hide and you'll never be forgiven for something that you haven't confessed you know if we want forgiveness we have to confess it you don't get it without it uh, all through the books of book of psalms King David's going to God and he's saying, I messed up bad, please forgive me. And then a little further down the road, I messed up bad, please forgive me. I messed up again, please forgive me again. Uh, and the Bible says David was a man after God's own heart. You know, what is the heart of God? It's love, it's forgiveness. God loves you, he's on your side. And we gotta get that in our heads. We can't hide our sin and live 
a productive, godly life. We've got to get it out, let God forgive us, then grow in Jesus Christ. You know, God don't want anything but good for you. So look at it the right way. If you made a mistake, and if you are in sin, you qualify for forgiveness. You know, that's a good thing. That's a great thing if we've made the decision to bring it to God and turn from it. You are the one that Jesus is looking for. You are the one he's searching for. So don't run from him. Run to him. And he'll run to you just like the father ran to the prodigal son. You know, admit that you're sick. That is the greatest thing you could ever do for yourself. That's the greatest thing you could <coughs> ever do for the people in your life, for God, for the kingdom of God. You know, great things happen when we get clean before the Lord. Then the Lord can use us. And we do great things for the kingdom of God, great things for other people. You know, Pastor Josh was sharing Sunday about the proof, the evidence of Christ in our lives. And uh, we're not going to see that if we don't get that stuff out. He was talking about, you know, are you consistent in your faith? Are you pure all the way through? He gave a little demonstration on Sunday about purified gold. You know, it's pure all the way through. There's nothing inside that shouldn't be there. You know, and he said, are you causing others to stumble? You know, if we've got unconfessed hidden stuff in us, then we will cause others to stumble because we're not doing what God wants us to do. If we've got hidden sin or unconfessed sin in our lives, we won't have the evidence of Christ in our lives and the proof to show others that a, a man in Christ is a new creation, is a new creature. You know, people look at us if we call ourselves Christians and they want to see the change. They want to see what Christ has done in you before they'll ever trust to try him out for themselves. If your life isn't any different after Christ, then there's a reason for that. And uh, that gets us to point two. <coughs> point two, or point one, was we have to admit we're sick. Point two, we have to agree with God. And I think this one is a, a really big deal right now in today's society. You know, there's so many people that come to church and say a prayer and they change their, change their behaviors. They pick up a few things. They start going to church or start, you know, attending a group or a class. But there's never any change in their lives outside of church. And uh, <clears throat> that is the reason that their lives didn't change. They just added some activities to it. Adding activities to your schedule does not change your life. And I told you earlier that I understand both of those groups, and I really do because I've been in both of them. And I see people all the time right where I used to be just spinning their wheels and not getting anywhere because there are things in their life that they don't see anything wrong with. And I was like that for years. You know, I'll start doing all these right things, but I'm going to keep doing the wrong things too uh, because I wouldn't admit they were wrong. I didn't see my drinking as a bad thing. You know, I thought that's something I need. You know, I thought this is what keeps me from having anxiety attacks. I've got to have that. This is what keeps me sane. I've got to have that. This is what enables me to function. This is what enables me to interact with other people. You know, if I don't have that, I can't do those things. But that's how I saw it. 
and I wholeheartedly believed that. I really did. I didn't see it as a problem. I saw that as my medicine. That was my solution. And then one day, Pastor Josh put it to me like this, and it made me really mad. And I hope this makes uh, somebody mad here tonight, because when he said that, it changed my life. And I hope, I hope it changes yours, too. He told me, that alcohol is your God. And I read my Bible all the time, so that really made me mad. I was like, I know who God is. I know who Jesus is. That's not my God. And he told me, he said, just think about it. You know, calm down and think about it. Anytime you need help, what do you turn to? You know, anytime you're feeling anxious, what do you turn to? Your alcohol. You know, anytime you have a problem, what do you turn to? Your alcohol. You know, that's what you turn to. That's where you get your comfort, and that's where you get your strength. And uh, he was right. That's what I did. And, uh, you know, you fill in your blank. My blank was alcohol. You know, what do you do when you feel overwhelmed? Or what do you do when you get anxious? What do you do when you need comfort? You know, what do you do when you need strength? What gives you the strength to get through the day? And if it's anything but God, that is your God. And uh, that's what you're putting your trust in. And that's what I, I used to put my trust in there. And I'll get into that a little more here in a second. Uh, Johnny Hunt, he used to do the men's conferences we went to in Georgia. And I remember one year he said this. He said, people don't confess and turn from their sin. The biggest reason is, they love their sin. And uh, the reason that they love their sin is because it works. And they trust it because it works. And that was very true for me. I knew without a doubt that after a few drinks, my nerves would settle down. I'd tried that, tested that, I trusted that, and it worked. But I didn't have enough faith to trust God and even see if he worked. <coughs> I wouldn't give him a chance because I'd have to give up my sure thing that was keeping me from him. And I didn't realize that was the thing keeping me from him. Uh, and it was killing me at the same time. But my mind wouldn't let me see that. That was the thing that was making life work. There wasn't a thing that was killing my life, but it was. You know, when I'd take a few drinks, my anxiety would go away. But the sad part is it worked for me. And uh, that's the point for me, you know. It was destroying everybody else around me, but it worked for me. And I was so focused on making sure I didn't feel any pain, I didn't get anxious, I didn't feel overwhelmed, making sure that I was comfortable all the time, that I didn't care at all what was happening to the people around me. <coughs> you know, I couldn't fathom going a whole day, much less a lifetime without a drink. You know, I honestly believe that I'll explode. You know, that's impossible. That, that's never going to happen. I can't let that go because that's all I have. That was my God and I trusted it. Uh, I shared this quote with you a few weeks ago. Like I said, I don't know who wrote it. I looked it up, wrote it down, but I forgot it. But change only happens when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. And, uh, you know, when I got to that point, 
when my false God had destroyed everything in my life and every relationship in my life, then I cried out to Jesus and I told him, I don't care if I die. I just want to belong to you before I die. Because I knew at that point I did not belong to him. And I really didn't care if I died. I just wanted to make sure I was saved before it happened. Because I honestly thought I was going to die that day because I made the decision, even if I die, I'm not going to drink anymore. <clears throat> so that's what I did. Uh, and for the first time, I trusted Jesus. And I believed in Jesus. And I didn't just trust him. That day I agreed with God that this is what's destroying my life. And I asked him to remove from me, remove that from me, the desire and all. Not just the physical bottle, but the desire inside of me to do it. And uh, I put my trust in him instead of the alcohol. And he has never failed me yet. And he will never fail you either. You know, if there are things in your life, and there probably is, I mean, we've all got something that you depend on to get you by, that you know that God told you needs to go. Uh, trust him. Agree with him about that. You know, your life is not going to change until you do. And uh, it's going to get worse because God has showed you what you need to do, but you don't agree with him. And uh, you can't be in opposition to God and expect everything to work out. And I'm sure right now you're probably sitting there thinking about your it, whatever your it is. Uh, bring it to God, and he'll give you some peace for it. And you can walk away from that feeling cleansed, feeling 100 pounds lighter, because you finally did what you've been fighting with God about. The peace you're looking for, that relief that you're looking for, that does not come until you are in agreement with God. Uh, you've got to do what David did. In Psalm 51, I want to read you some verses from that. Uh, David knew he messed up. And what I want you to notice in this, he didn't blame anybody. He took full responsibility for his sin. He didn't say, Saul was chasing me, so I did this. Bathsheba did this, so I did this. He didn't include anybody in it but him and God. He says, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you might be justified when you speak and be clear when you judge. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. God wants our heart to be clean with him. He wants us to tell, us, tell him what's really in there. And in the hidden part, you shall make me to know wisdom. That means he'll change your heart. Bring it to him dirty, he'll clean it. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which you have broken may rejoice. That's talking about, you know what it's like to be so in sin, you just feel like your body's wasted away. You know, that feeling goes away when you get in agreement with God. And if we keep going... He says, hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquities. That's forgiveness. And create in me a clean heart, O God. <coughs> and renew a right spirit within me. 
Uh, if you do that, God will do his part. I can promise you that. So do what David did and come to God and confess. Ask him to forgive you, and he will give you a new heart. You know, I don't know what it is for you. Uh, maybe it's pills or alcohol or something else you depend on. Maybe it's a relationship that you know is wrong, but you think you need it, you know. Maybe it's food or TV. You know, maybe you're saying, well, he or she understands me. That don't make what you're doing right. You know, maybe your husband or your wife would understand you if you would confide in them the way that you're confiding in somebody else. I don't know what it is for you, but God does, and uh, I can guarantee you that. But we've got to agree with him that this is wrong and let him help you. God will not shame you or judge you, no matter what it is, but he will rescue you just like he rescued me. Uh, in John three seventeen, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn us. He sent him that the world through him might be saved. God didn't come to judge us. He come to save us. And we've got to see it like that. Uh, I hope that helps somebody tonight. That helped me a lot years ago when somebody pointed it out to me because I didn't know. I had no idea. But I hope that really helps somebody. I was telling Travis earlier, my whole sermon tonight was going to be out of Psalm 25 and Numbers 12, but we never even got to any of those but maybe we can pick up there next week but give that some serious thought this week you know what area of your life are you in disagreement with God as society is going to tell you everything's okay it don't matter what you're doing but if God has laid something on your heart and says this is not right then you'll be stuck right there until you get in agreement with God and uh, if you are in Christ and if there's not a huge contrast in your old life, and your new life, then there's a reason for that. And ask God to show you what that is. If he, and if you're there, he's probably already showed you what it is. Uh, make the choice to trust God. Talk to him about it. And I know that sounds like the hardest thing in the world to do, and it is until you get those words out of your mouth. Once you get the words out of your mouth, that's the easiest thing you've ever done because God takes it from there and the weight falls off because you brought it to him uh, but you got to bring it to him and he will help you take take it from there I do have some homework uh, for you this week even if you're not taking notes try to remember these verses and look them up and uh, I want you to have this conversation with yourself this week between the new you and the old you uh, I want to read these verses in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. And this is God talking to man, but I want you to read it thinking about the new you talking to old you, the new man versus the old man. Uh, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Whereas the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. If you're saved, your thought life should be different than it used to be. And your ways should be different than they used to be. If those things have not changed, then there's, there's a problem there. You know, something's not right. Your thoughts should be different and your ways should be different. 
So look up those verses this week and have that conversation with yourself. And if those things are not different, then take it to God and ask him for wisdom and he will give it to you. He'll say, this needs to change. And uh, then all you have to do is be obedient to him and do what he says. But like I always tell you, it starts with a relationship with Christ. And if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, I always want to give you that opportunity. If you know you're not in agreement with God and you're not right with God, it's really simple. All you got to do is say, God, I know I need a Savior. I know I'm a sinner. Please help me. And he will. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10 says, If you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So if today is the day that you uh, accept Jesus as your Savior, tell somebody about it. And uh, the Bible says once those comes out of your mouth, if you really believe that in your heart, then you are saved. And uh, like I said, don't no, never let anybody tell you you've done too much and you can't be forgiven. Because Romans 10, 13 says, whosoever, that means everybody, shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And like we've been talking about tonight, you know, we qualify for forgiveness through Christ because we're sinners. Romans 5, 8 says that's the whole reason he came and died for us. That was God showing his love for us. Because God showed his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Even if you're right in the middle of sin, just cry out to God. He will save you right there. That's the whole reason Jesus came. And uh, if you're a sinner, you are not disqualified. You are qualified for forgiveness. <clears throat> but that's my message tonight. I really hope that helps somebody. And I, I really hope and pray if you've got something in your life that God's not agreeing with you on, I pray that you'll take it to him and make it right. But uh, thank you all for coming out. And thank you for watching online. I'll pray for us and we will be dismissed. Father, I just thank you for that message. And Lord, I just pray for every heart that heard it. I pray that you'd give them the courage, Father, to, to pull those things out from under the rugs and out of the closets and bring them to you, Lord, and be, be cleansed from them so that they can experience the freedom in Christ that your word talks about. I know there's so many people, Lord, that are coming to church and going to classes, but they don't have the freedom. And I pray that you'd help them to see, God, that you are the one that tells us to bring those things to you. We don't have to be ashamed of them. We don't have to be fearful of them. But you are the one that wants us to bring those things to you so that we can experience the freedom that we can have in Christ. And Lord, I just pray for everybody that's here, everybody that's watching online, that you would give them the courage to do that. Lord, we just thank you for loving us, and we love you too. And it's in Jesus' holy name I do pray. Amen.